You are listening to Crickland, episode number 85. The episode that's wearing the wrong hat. In a scenario like this, what is the right hat? That's true. There's really no real right hat, is there? I mean, it's just There's whatever no hat. There's no hat, actually, this movie. The guy at one point was like, listen, anyone wearing this kind of hat or this kind of hat, even a Yankees ball cap. It's true. They, although they didn't really uh, – they they very were, they were very specific about their aesthetic, that it's all fedoras. But then the guy says it could be any hat, so I, it just isn't, I guess. Um, um, when he's walking, he sees all the different hats. The people wearing the Yankees hats are obviously Yankee fans. Listen, I, I don't know baseball that well, but I could tell this. Okay, they could be very cleverly dressed. You know what they said? <laughs> you know why they said it could be any hat? Because there's one, literally one scene where it's a policeman wearing yeah, a policeman hat. hat. Yes, yeah, yeah, and that's it. Um, but I'll tell you this, Logan. I like to call ahead to make sure I'm wearing the right hat. Right, I you know? and you never know. You don't want to show up at the big dinner and you be the one person wearing the wrong hat, right? Or no hat for that matter. If friends are having hat. a party, I say, "Is this a hat party?" They always say, "Yes." I only go to hat parties. Is it hat optional? Is it hat is optional? Hat? Where do, should I? Is it a head hat party? Just want to make sure I wear it in the right place, and then I ask what hats are appropriate. <laughs> That's a wiener hat party. Right? What were you expecting, you perv? Wiener hat party is the name of my novel. So stop <laughs> wiener stealing. Wiener hat party. Wiener hat party. Oh, it's the children's book, actually. I went to a wiener hat party one time. Yeah, you did. Um, you walk in, you drop your wiener in a hat seat. Right. It's the end of the night. Uh, hot dogs are involved somewhere. I don't know. Uh-huh. We all <laughs> learned a valuable lesson about caring. A lot of Critical In is finish the joke for us, I think. <laughs> Whatever you at home think the punchline is, you're correct. <laughs> you're the funniest person alive. Good job. Let's move. We That's set why up people listen. Down. They feel good about themselves at the end. Like, I made oh, Logan no. funnier. Except... <laughs> They feel good, but we feel terrible. We go home and cry ourselves to sleep. It's a public service, that's why. Yeah, <laughs> making us feel bad yeah. uh, for how long? A year and a half now? A year and a half. More than wow. Wait, let's see. So we started uh, in February Suits 2008, up. right? Uh, I, has it been that no, long? Wow. February 2009. No, wait, I'm sorry. We started in December 2009. So all of 2010. No, it was 2008. So we did all 2009 and all 2010. Right. So it's been two years, right? Um, yeah, I think you're right. Let's look at the archive. Hold on. Hold on yeah. Ryan Criticlin has been with me for the good times and bad times. Yeah, December 2008. Uh, for the times so. when I refused to be funny, the times when I never was funny. Uh, times, Logan. And now it's the times when I'm trying to be funny. Wow. Well, it's a heartwarming tale. The funny thing is, the original show, um, we were trying to like, hey, you know, here's why you should, it's a lot of that is, hey, listen to our show and here's why. You know, we have this gimmick, and we do this gimmick, and mm-hmm. it was all funny stuff, and you know, it was our bits and whatnot. But now we've just gotten lazy. We really have. I mean, this show's probably going to be about twenty-five minutes long. We're going to talk about the good oh, parts, no, the no, bad parts, I, and we're just going to phone it in and hang up. I, this is technically phoning in, but I have a game we can play. Really? I stole it from last week's Entertainment Weekly, but oh. I, if I say it, it's not really stealing, is it? No, as long as you cite your sources, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, as long as you cite who you stole from. We like to this do a, a long live in America, right? Our podcast is MLA formatted for a reason, Logan. And you've a just reason. proven that reason. 
Make sure you, uh, you note this in the bottom of the page, then. Well, this is exciting. We won't phone it in. We'll actually do a real show today. This is an awesome game. I think you're going to dig this, too. All right. Well, should now, we... Assuming I can find the right source to steal it from again. <laughs> should we Should we talk about the uh, the plot of Adjustment Bureau? Will you try to find your sources? Yeah, no, I found it. Okay, let's, uh, let's discuss the Adjustment Bureau, which is why everyone came tonight. Uh, we are aware. That's why this we is why... <laughs> called you here tonight. So... Uh, and make sure you put your best hat on for this show, Ryan. Indeed. So the Adjustment Bureau is this. Well, uh, it's basically, uh, if you go, you'll go over the trailers, it's a conspiracy theory movie uh, where Matt Damon discovers that there is a vast network of uh, fedora-wearing individuals who control the fate of everyone on Earth. They influence decisions, uh, make, you know, play with the machinations of our society to make things turn out how they want them to turn out. And uh, the trailer makes it look like uh, Matt Damon is going to try to sort of take them down, motivated by the fact that he's in love with a woman who they don't think he should be in love with, so they are moving things around to make sure they don't see each other. So that's sort of loosely the idea. When you get to the actual movie, and that's Logan and I both said, yep. you and I both said, you know, it probably won't be that great. Um, right. You mentioned the trailer, though, and I think this is kind of important it to, is. to realize where I came uh, from in seeing this film. Because um, the trailer also kind of sets up to be kind of like one of those mind trip films, you know? Yes. Um, we're like, oh, okay. There's all it's kind of like the Matrix in a way. There's all sorts of cool stuff going on behind the scenes of my life that I never even knew about until now. You see, like frozen people with like uh, scanners being run over them and things. Yes. Um, this is kind of neat. Uh, and at the same time, it's very action oriented. He's knocking people over. Sure, there's a weird amount of hats in this trailer, but it's okay, I think, because it's that guy from Mad Men, right? <laughs> Can I just say I love a good hat? There's no, there, that's not a hats aren't bad. No, no, hats are not bad. We're pro um, But there's. Uh, there, I had read, uh, this was, I think, a GQ a while back, sure. um, that whenever a, you cannot wear a hat now, um, and you you may say, oh, I wear hats all the time, and you're incorrect about this, but I think it's totally true. You cannot wear a hat now without making a statement. Um, and it, I think it's absolutely true, because there, there was a time when, like, men just wore hats, like, yes. that was a style. Yes. But now it's it's not, if you're wearing a hat, it's for some sort of style. You want to add to something. Wearing a hat was like wearing a jacket. Exactly right. Um, now it's like wearing a so, hat. Uh, so, yes, that's why it kind of grabbed my attention this trailer. But d- don't, don't get me wrong. You and I kind of joked that that was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Um, and you and I go way back of hats because someday we are going to make go way back. Uh, Shakespeare with different goofy hats. Right, Shakespeare with goofy um, hats, our, our idea that we've had for quite is, some time. Yes. Um, anyway, okay, so that's my statement about the trailer. Um, so then you get into the theater, and what do you see, Well, Ryan? you get to the theater, and you realize it's a slightly different movie. Now, this wasn't a bad thing. I actually think it played to the movie's... Uh, strengths because what it really is is they set up this premise of there are people working you know behind the scenes but they don't actually go much farther than that they're just like and this is how it is and now how are you going to deal with it and so it's much more about Matt the love story between Matt Damon and Emily Blunt and them trying to get together than it is sort of any kind of unraveling of conspiracy or learning really much more than we learn about this organization in the first 10 minutes of the movie Um, that will be frustrating to some people it was a little frustrating to me but surprisingly because Matt Damon and Emily Blunt are really really good actors I think um, that story was still really interesting to me. The idea of their love story, will they be able to you know, overcome, et cetera, et cetera. It ends up being much more of a weird sort of like uh, romance than it is a sci-fi conspiracy. Um, it's, it's still set in that, in, that, in that zone, and there are still a lot of cool scenes related to that conspiracy stuff. There's also a lot of funny stuff uh, that Matt Damon actually pulls off really well related to that. Um, but it's not quite the movie that you think it's going to be from the trailer. So overall, I was kind of happily surprised. I was like, oh, wow, it's different than I thought it was, It's but it's very well executed. It's just an interesting sort of setting for a love story. Let's see how it goes. Main problem with it, though, was that by the end, the plot just kind of gives up in a big way, and it sort of disappoints. What do you think? 
the uh, the end's an interesting bit because um, I actually just read Entanglement once again. This movie was delayed for a while, um, and a lot of that had to do with the ending, which was reshot two or three times yeah. uh, based on testing. Um, and IMDb reports a completely different ending, which would have been interesting, I think. Um, and there's hints of that at the end, uh, but then the hints are kind of like tossed aside for this kind of. Yes. More broad, dumb ending, uh, if anything. Uh, but I will have to completely disagree with you, Ryan. I think this is a movie that struggles the entire time to find the correct tone. Um, and now, I, I, you know, the reason I mentioned the trailer earlier, because this is kind of important from where I was coming from when I was setting this movie. Um, it, it also struggles for a while with what is exactly important in this film. The scriptwriter does not seem to know at all. Because um, he's like, for a while, he's like, oh, you know, it's this love story between them. But that never really gets further than just them being witty back and forth a whole lot, which I've seen in every romantic comedy. It also is very interested in uh, Damon's frat boy past. Mm-hmm. And that never actually pays off either. If anything, that doesn't tell me why he's doing any of the things he's doing currently in the film. Um, and as far as him being a politician goes, that goes back and forth, too. And it only seems uh, important, I guess, towards the end of the second act. And that seems too late for me to really care about why he, or he's a politician, why he's not. Because at that point, he doesn't seem to care so much for his career. Um, but the biggest problem, I think, is just the tone of this film seems way off. Um, and it, it just builds up until it reaches this point of overly goofiness uh, where there's <laughs> this this great... Okay, we mentioned their hats, right? I, I, I don't know if it's giving away much to say that the hats turn out to be important. Yeah. Uh, which I did. There's it's this great scene early on. Choice. Where the uh, see, I don't know. Maybe I was expecting them to, to keep the adjustment bureau somewhat of a secret through a lot of the film, where we just kind of see them in the background or see them doing something suspicious. But instead, they instantly walk out of the beginning like, "Yep, gonna be a long night being the adjustment bureau," <laughs> and they just seem very whimsical and not at all threatening in any way. And when they finally do um, kind of meet up with Matt Damon's character, they're just like, "Okay, here's what we're doing and why." And it's, I mean, they give you just enough to, I guess, keep you interested in their characters, but they're just so laid back about their whole job, it just doesn't seem to matter that much when they do uh, get threatened, quote-unquote, by Matt Damon's character. You're saying um, that makes them not that interesting of antagonists. They, they really are not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do have their one scene that, yes, you saw in the trailer of them freezing people, uh, but then <laughs> the best part about that is it literally is when they catch Matt Damon, who sees this, they basically go, you weren't supposed to see that. <laughs> and that's that, see, I guess. Um, but no, no. the great thing about the hats is that at one point they're chasing him. Yeah, they actually do do something at the point, one point. They chase him, and uh, one of the hats flies off. The guy's like, your hat! So he goes back for the hat. I was like, okay, I guess their hats are just important to them. Um, but yes, we have that second act twist where the hats turn out to do something, um, and that something is incredibly goofy, I think. Um, basically to the point of them saying, listen, your character cannot do this unless he's wearing one of our magic hats. Um, and then there's some kind of cool stuff that in this that reminded me of, uh, I guess, a video game. I don't know if I've actually played or not, um, or if this game exists. If it doesn't, someone needs to make it. Uh, where they use doorways to travel to different points. Um, and that seems cool in itself. And he's like, whatever you do, though, never, never turn it counterclockwise. And Damon has a great line. He's like, what does that do? And the guy goes, oh, that's just for us. I'm and like, okay. And it's like, yep, gee, I, guess I so. wonder if that's going to play. Exactly. The but then, yeah. um, this is just a side note. I love that there's so many points in the film, though, where he's using doors that you could that don't even have a handle. You just kind of, kind of push and they're open. Um, so I'm wondering how he knows where he's going there. <laughs> True. And other things, too. But no, this, uh, this film, I think, Ryan, is, uh, I'm sorry, uh, super, super goofy. Um, and it's, you know, it rode a, uh, it's six at, towards the beginning, I guess, only because I was a little thrown off by what was happening. Then I settled into the tone it was kind of trying to set, and it went for a five. Then I'm like, okay, at the end, it's a little too late to try this movie. Um, so it ended up being a three. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm calling this the worst film of the year. And I, I mentioned this to you before the show. I think this is a lot like uh, The Box, the film for you and me. Um, it's one of those movies that I feel, I, it's like, how could anyone in their right mind enjoy what they're watching right now, what they paid to watch? Um, 
and the same time I was leaving the theater, I was like, well, Ryan really enjoyed The Box, so I bet he has a positive review of this film as well. Well, 3 is, in my opinion, way too low, Logan. Uh, but going back to what you said about um, about it coming off as goofy, at times I, I think it does, but I feel like it wasn't necessarily what was happening that was goofy. It was the way they chose to present it. Like, um, I'm going to say the hats are important. You already said that. Uh, but they didn't. They didn't do that subtly, uh, where they, you know, where Matt Damon's like, right. "How does this work?" And you know, the guy's just sort of like winks and points to his hat or anything like that, <laughs> or he <laughs> figures it out. But no, I mean, I know I'm being very, very simplistic. Like, you're like better, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but like, or if he figures it out, wait a minute, the hats are important. Something like that. Instead, he's just like, "Well, how do I do that?" And the guy's like, "It's our hats. Our hats let us do it." And it's just like, well, if you say that to someone, of course it sounds goofy. Right. Uh, or towards the beginning of the movie where. Um, Instead of being subtle, they're like, he's like, what are they, are they watching us now? Are they always watching us? And, you know, a member of the Bureau is like, no, water dampens our powers. It's like, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. that, Then it's going to sound like a goofy plot device, which is exactly what it was. But you can um, more subtly introduce that stuff, and and I think it would have been better. So I don't think it was the plot devices themselves. I just think they weren't introduced very well at all. And there's more and more of that clumsy introduction of things as the far as the movie goes on. Specifically with what the Adjustment Bureau is, which I think would be better if they didn't even mention it at all. But instead, they, they say, like, oh, some people call us angels. You know, I don't think that they was necessarily. Germany. Like, yeah. I don't think we were supposed to think that was explicitly what they were. No, 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 not at all. I think that's just, like, giving us, putting that seed in there, it kind of, oh, like, yeah. it's in our head, like, what these things could be. While I say what these things could be. See, that would have been more interesting to me if they were things. But they're like, basically, we're humans, but we live longer than you. Yeah, um, exactly. Way too much just sort of. Very simplistic listing off information. Um, I don't think that – I didn't let that um, affect my opinion quite as much as you did. I think that I maybe for whatever reason – I just liked Matt Damon a lot in it and I liked Emily Blunt. I like all that stuff. The emotional parts of the story really worked for me pretty well. Uh, I just thought that the stuff happening around that wasn't as – um, good as I was hoping for, and it really only started hitting me because I was really enjoying the movie. It really only started hitting me in uh, the last about twenty minutes of the film, where I started being like, "Wait a minute, this isn't going to resolve very well," yeah. and it didn't. Um, so I agree with your first assessment, and I uh, landed at a six because I really did still enjoy it. I think the performances are great, and uh, overall, I thought it was still a, an okay film that just sort of uh, failed to to keep up the steam at the end. So in the end, were you hoping that he'd walk into a room and there would be the architect from the Matrix films? Well, here's the thing: you'd ha- I was I was expecting it because otherwise otherwise where would you go with it? Because that's I was where he's going. Yeah. Right. I was just hoping it would be a better reveal. Like that's another reason the movie felt unsatisfying is because even Matt Damon knew what was going to happen. He specifically says, "I'm going to go meet the chairman," and uh, I don't want to reveal the ending, but not exactly that. Not exactly that happens. And uh, and it was he like, still well, gets his way, and that's I think the disappointing thing. He gets his way. It's a little. It feels a little easy. Mm-hmm. And he, they're basically um, like, no one's ever tried this before, so here you go. We'll give it to you. Well, they sort of are saying actually, people do try this before, and it always works out for them. So anyway, bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, you're right about that. Um, it's um, one of those, but, and then all, it's also sort of weird because then the message of the movie ends up being that free will is only for those who earn it, which is a little weird and fascist, but. Right. Um, Anyway, so I still I still had a lot of fun with it. Um, so that's why, the, hence the six. Although I feel like um, if they had come up with a better ending, it would have easily been a seven or an eight. I was enjoying the movie very much up until the end. Oh, it's my pick for right now for worst movie of the year. But of course, the year's still Three young. Three is so I, low. I don't understand change. where you get with that. Like, you didn't Man. enjoy the performances? 
And it's one of those things where it's like, I've had, we were doing this show delayed somewhat, so I had a few days to judge this, and I thought I might change my opinion. But no, the three, if anything, is coming just for the performances. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might actually carry the film, and to that point at least, um, but not much further. Uh, and it's just so goofy, and it's it's a movie that, uh, as years go by, I will find other people who've seen uh, who've seen it, and hopefully be able to be like, hey, listen to who've seen just things in general, uh, who've seen it, and hopefully be like, hey, you know, did, didn't you enjoy this? They're like, oh yeah, that was over the top. Um, but that person will not be you, Ryan. I'm apologizing. The Adjustment Bureau is going to be your comedy touchstone from here on out. Yes, yes. Uh, for Hey, anyone in this room see Adjustment Bureau? And the party just, you know, the music stops. Like uh, like I use Red Eye today. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Although I agree with you on Red Eye, see. <laughs> um, this goes back to, oddly enough, this is a, more of a interpersonal thing here at the office. Um, <laughs> How's that rash? That I, always, um, I always wonder if our ratings would uh, concur more if you and I were... Uh, actually saw these together like we used to for all these films i don't um, know i think our ratings were still about a rating off point off i just honestly oh, no, no, i just I, think that our yeah. perceptions of the scale are slightly different and that we actually agree about most movies <laughs> i think in the, the final episode we will just uh, um agree that yes we do in fact we have uh, agreed on every film <laughs> seen. you'll change your opinion on some and i'll change my opinion on some I would be, wait a minute the ratings hat was the key <laughs> the whole time that's everything it was right there um, yeah, I, uh, had a fun time not enjoying the Adjustment Bureau, though. <laughs> Although, like I said from the get-go, I think I was lied to in the, uh, in the ads for this, uh, for this film. And you I think that's kind of what, uh, set my mind to what this film was going to be when I got in there. And it wasn't that I was disappointed, uh, quite frankly. Well, that's two def- definitely different opinions of the Adjustment Bureau. I think that it's definitely worth a rental, if nothing else, for the performances, uh, of Matt Damon. And Terrence Stamp is in it. How can you not like that? But he's only in it, in it. Like, yeah, he's basically, like, he's like, I'm Terrence Stamp. I stand in one spot for this scene. And then they just cut to something else. He's like, whew, I can stop standing there now. But he's, you know, British-y. He delivers lines well. He is really british neat. And I still think he's Malcolm McDowell or whatever his he name is. He may be, secretly. Yeah, maybe, I think so, too. Um, What's this game? <laughs> Segway. So much game? Huh? Segway. Okay. This is a game that I had a fun time with, Ryan, and perhaps uh-huh. you too. And you can come up with your own version of this game at home and have a fun time with other people that aren't me or Ryan. Oh, all right. This game's stolen from the March 4, 2011 uh, Entertainment Weekly. Oh, man. It tells me that I'm invited to a media frenzy on the front cover. Um, ten also features 10 ways to fix movies, which actually, you know, I feel like we should go over some of this on the show. Um, because there are, it's true that other people out there do things like us, and we're not alone, Ryan. Uh-huh. And then there's also uh, the newest issue has this great thing of what was wrong with the Oscars, and they list exactly what needs to happen to change the Oscars that to make them awesome again. Okay. Uh, I, um, I can get to that if you want so me to. But you want to play a, this game? For? Yeah. So far, we're just doing an advert Entertainment Weekly, but okay, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, it's you know, it's I think it's it gets the the discussion going. I think there's things here that are important. All right. Well, let's do it then. Um, you fans of the movies, but first of all, a game, Ryan. This is a celebrity age game. Um, and you guys at home can play along too. Just start a scorecard and play with your spouse or significant other, um, and hopefully a fight will ensue. Oh yeah, Ryan, your job in this game is to guess which is older. Okay. <laughs> okay, I love it already. Are you ready for this? Yes. Now these are two things that are will be in some way related. Uh-huh. Uh, one will be an actual celebrity, and one will be a person, a place, or a th- I'm sorry, no people, another no people, a place or a thing. Okay. This should be a Jack category. I love it. This is I uh, know this is great. Okay, you ready for this? Uh-huh, yeah. I will start off simple enough, okay. you think. Okay. Um, once again, uh, keep track at home and see how you did when we're all over and compare to Ryan's score. Uh-huh. Ryan, number one. First okay. of all, do you want to reveal how well you did on this? Um, I, when it's all over, I'll tell you. All right. 
Okay. Uh, Joan Rivers or the facelift? Which is older, Ryan? <laughs> well, it's got to be Joan Rivers. Um, do you want me to reveal the answers as we go? Sure. Okay, cool. This is when I wish we had our college buzzer sound. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ryan. There, I'm no, uh, no, no uh, H here for Joan Rivers. But 1901, the facelift wins. The facelift wins at 1901. Okay. Well, so, I, I guess I, I don't know. Careful to expect the, with the rest of the games, but the facelift is, in fact, older than Joan Rivers. Is there any information as to what that entailed? You know, I mean, like a 1901 facelift. Christ, what would that be? I guess the first facelift was performed in 1901. Yeah, I assume it was something under the eyes. It just seems uh, that couldn't have been particularly successful is all I'm thinking. Anyway. <laughs> You're right. About like, oh, that, that new face looks great. <laughs> and that was Joan Rivers' mom. Joan Rivers' mom? My son, my daughter will love this surgery. My son too. will be my daughter one day. <laughs> Thanks to facelift, holding up the scalpel. Uh, number two. Okay. Here's a timely one for you. Justin Bieber or the Segway? Okay. Well, Justin Bieber's got to be like 16, maybe a little older. And the Segway. I remember when the Segway was introduced. Well, let's see. You have to remember. We're kind of old now, Ryan. I know. If Justin Bieber was. Is 16. Let's assume I'm right about that. Maybe 17. Well, let's see. So if he's 17, then... Then... No, it's got to be... I imagine some complex, like, beautiful mind formula written on... <laughs> I'm just now. seeing, exactly. I'm seeing yeah. numbers and it's colors just right now. Just work out the next Facebook, too, while you're at it. It's uh-huh. got to be Justin Bieber. Um, you are correct, ding ding. Right. Justin Bieber, 1994. Okay. Now, this, to, like, prove... I, don't, I feel like the 90s weren't that long ago i know that sounds weird Me too. but i remember when i was student teaching like when i was like looking through the kids personal records to find out where they live um right no i'm just kidding around uh I, you know i did see that they were when i realized they were born in the 90s that kind of blew my mind i'm like whoa you kids are born in the 90s there's people born in the 90s now yeah um so I had yes the same experience uh i had like a friend uh when i was working uh at a college uh look i was i raped him was what i'm saying <laughs> Anyway, that was a good story. Anyway, <laughs> he was, he's born in the '90s, and I couldn't believe it. Good story, Ryan. Go on. Yeah, <laughs> your story is basically mine, but with rape. I'm like Logan. Let me yeah. tell your story, but in a stupider way. Does that make sense? You can't improve on my stupidity, Ryan. I'm so sorry. Wait, how old is the segue? Uh, it does. Like I said, it doesn't. It, this it, is it's a terrible article. It's not really an article. It's just a game down the corner. All right. It says for critical end. Oh, okay, for use <laughs> in podcast. Cut out. Podcast further. <laughs> Cut on dotted line and use in podcast. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know how you're doing at home, but Ryan is one for one so far. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan, well, let's I'm move one in. for two, aren't I? Uh, wait, hold on. Yeah, you're one for two. I'm okay. sorry. Because we're at number three now. Number three, um, someone that I, has never been brought up on our show. Whoa. And t- to this point, I feel like we never had a reason to mention her. Uh, but now we do. Uh, Kim Kardashian or the spray tanning salon, Ryan? Wow. Uh, let's see. Well, Kim Kardashian's probably in her 30s, right? And spray tanning. So was spray tanning around before the 80s? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Encyclopedia. So what, what, what are you saying I is think older? spray tanning is older. Okay. The answer is, in fact, Kim Kardashian. Wow. 1980. 1980, okay. So, so spray tanning was, before the, uh, was not around before the 80s. Exactly. Isn't that kind of weird? Mm. I would have thought actually. Uh, no, that makes sense. I guess so. See, now whenever I watch like something, whenever I watch Airplane or 1975 SNL, I'm going to be like, hey, spray tan didn't exist yet. Raquel Welch just looked like that. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, number four, uh, Donald Trump or the ATM, Ryan? I think 
Donald Trump is older. You think Donald Trump is older? Right. I mean, the ATM... So if Donald Trump is probably at least in his 50s, right? Yeah, right? And so then... <laughs> Are you talking to the people at home or me? Yeah, I'm, I can, I, I'm in here, Ryan. How many ATMs in the 60s? All right, so go on. Go on. Donald Trump is older. Donald Trump is your answer. The correct answer is the ATM is, in fact, When old. was the ATM invented? ATM was invented in 1939. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but did money exist in 1939? Jeez, yeah, what? That's not a thing. Because credit cards didn't even exist. Now, wait a minute. I feel like they're just. ATM. I think the ATM at that point was at, like a guy, right? On every corner. It wasn't just like, as hey, much as you ATM. Is that Italian, by the way? Listen, I need some money. <laughs> he, like, kneecaps. He's Italian, yes. He's like, yeah, you're thinking of the loan shark, which was invented. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get this too confused, yes. Uh, no, but wait a minute. I feel like they're cheating. I, I feel like they're like, uh, you know, well, there was one ATM used as a prototype in the 30s, so that counts. I, I'm just I, thinking of widespread ATMs. Brian, I just pulled this out of Kate Wickley, okay? It's a side article. Logan, uh, check your facts. <laughs> it lists the ATM, ATM 1939. So I assume that that was, yes, the first ever ATM that popped up somewhere was that. Now, like I said, it could be a guy behind. It could be basically a bank at that point. Who knows? I'm looking uh, this up right now. A guy behind wire mesh. Um, you're, you're, I have to prove that Entertainment Weekly game wrong, Logan. The automated teller machine. Let's look at Wikipedia. Oh, dear. Because, yes, it has to be true. It's on Wikipedia. History. Hmm. Uh, Trump is older. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. I hope you kids are home or challenging the game. Nothing. Is- anything close to that is, is, is said here. It's like there's one in fifty nine and one in sixty three. Right. Like I said, I don't know where they're getting this, but the article's correct. I'm sorry. Nineteen sixty six. Yeah. See, this is just this is crazy. I think that article might just be a little bit wrong. I'm just saying you're wrong on that. This is the <laughs> word you're trusting Wikipedia, Ryan? Come on. I believe the masses are more intelligent than Entertainment Weekly, and that's something I'm willing to go to the, the bank for. Or the ATM, look. It's the masses. All right, let's move on. Um, yeah, I mean, I make no – you know, I, I don't know where they got Seriously. this. Um, no, history of automatic teller machines, or ATM. In 1939, Luther Jamin applied for 20 – uh, patents related to his ATM invention and field tested his ATM machine. This is uh, just, if you Google ATM 1939, it's the first thing that pops up. Luther George uh, Simeon has been credited with developing and building the first cash dispenser machine. They're strong in Simeon, worked on this device before 1959, while his 132nd patent was first filed on 30 June. So he didn't file a patent until 1960, though. Now, it says that in 1939, he applied for 20 patents. For his ATM invention. In 1939, Simeon had the idea to build the Bankmatic automated teller machine, probably his most famous invention. Despite the skepticism of the banks, he registered 20 patents. Or he registered the patents. So that's fine. That's not that's not the ATM existing yet. He just registered the patents. But uh, that's, 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 only found, including the finally persuaded right, the bank to six month trial. The trial was not continued. Surprisingly, blah blah blah. Right. The idea was there. It's older. The, I like, wasn't judging on the idea of an ATM. If that was the case, it was like, well, which is older, me or you know? Some guy. Wait, this is a bad example. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can safely say the ideal of Donald Trump was not in anybody's head at that point. But like, you can't say that like planes have existed thousands of years because the idea of flying did. This is based on when the patent was filed. The patent was filed. I love that we're arguing over this. I'm not arguing about it. Actually, you're the one who's. I need to look at Wikipedia. What? Are we ready? Oh, I I don't care. Let's go on. Everyone else at home was okay with the fact that they missed that one, except for Ryan. Now to something you know a little more about, okay, Ryan? My self-worth is tied to this. (laughs) Go on. 
Right, which is older? Uh-huh. Me? Brad Pitt? <laughs> Ryan or Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt or Chicken Nuggets? <laughs> now, it's funny because when I was reading this article, I can relate all these things except for that one. I don't know how Brad Pitt relates to Chicken Nuggets. That doesn't make any sense. But I will say that... Um... That I know a little bit about this because I am a fan of Paul and Storm. I'm a man who eats chicken nuggets. I am a man who puts away some chicken nuggets. No, I know a little bit about Paul and Storm, and they have a no. I am a fan of Paul and Storm. They have a song about oh. the invention of chicken nuggets, and if I recall the lyrics correct, so that but again, again, we're flummoxed because if I recall the lyrics correctly, the system by which chicken nuggets are produced was invented like in the '60s. However. Chicken nuggets did not become widespread until the 80s. So which am I led to answer with? I mean... Uh, first of all, he uses Wikipedia. Now he uses song lyrics to figure out the correct answers. This guy's a winner. Look, um, I point you to Papa Don't Preach by Madonna. <laughs> In the song... We know if we had to quote our sources, you you win, actually, over Entertainment Weekly, I will say. They're really, actually, since, you know, I, after I stand up for it, they're really broad on their answer to this one. So I'll go with whatever your answer is. Um, but do you know, what is your guess? My guess is chicken we're, we're, nuggets. Is, okay, you are correct. Okay, right, good job. I figured out what their game was. Um, they actually list chicken nuggets as being about in the 1950s. See, come on now. Um, I don't know if much research was looked into that one. However, at the same time, I don't know how Brad Pitt and chicken nuggets connected in any way. Um, this is actually my favorite one, number six. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Are you ready at home? Answer for them too, Ryan. Well, yes, I am. All of our listeners sound very sexy, I must say. <laughs> number darling. six. Betty White or Mount Rushmore? <laughs> See, I like this one, I have to say. Oh, man. I'm going to reveal my ignorance here. Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore was the 40s? Late 40s? Oh, God. I don't know. And Betty White must be older than that, so I'm going to say Betty White. You're correct. Yes. It's weird when you word it like that. That's incredibly weird to think that yes, in fact, Betty White is older than Mount Rushmore. Does it tell you when uh, Mount Rushmore was? Betty, uh... No, but Betty White was born in 1922. Okay, yeah. Wow. Which means you're older than most people still alive, actually. What's her secret? She seems so, you know, uh, uh, what do I want to say? Not old. I mean, she seemed old, but she seems yeah, like she's totally. She's known for it. being old. In fact, that's her thing. Oh, it's her um, trick. Her secret was, I guess, a Snickers commercial? I don't know what brought her back to the public eye. Okay. Uh, but Okay, uh, now let's get into a little t- things a bit goofy, Ryan, okay. and recreational. Right. Uh, Jim Carrey or the pinball machine? Uh, pinball machine, definitely the pinball machine. You are correct on that one, the pinball machine, 1947. Okay. Um, and finally, our big enter here. I don't know how you've been doing so far, Ryan. Um, but it ends with this right here. Number eight. I've not been keeping track at all, have you? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. I, I, I tried to do a buzzer sound, if that tells you anything. Right. Angelina Jolie or Pilates? Mm, I think Pilates. I thought they were fairly new. I mean, I know the fad was newer. I'm going to say that Angelina Jolie is older. The answer is actually Pilates. Really? Which I assume was around in some French village or something back in the day. Of Pilates. Uh, Pilates, Mr. Pilates, Pilates, Mr. Pilates, Mr. ATM got together. They had a little Donald Trump. Um, Pilates were in the 1920s. I did not know that. Interesting. We know That's have, our game. We have no clue how I did, but maybe you at home do. Right. Did you like the game? I did. It was a good one. We should do more stuff like that. We should uh, um, steal more content from others so we don't have to do anything. I agree. Let you me look, see what else I can... Uh... Still here. Actually, you know what? Let's say you want to go over some quick how to fix the Oscars things. Yeah, we didn't talk much about uh, the Oscars last show, so we didn't. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned that we had a great time with you guys doing it, um, but you, we did talk about that we had a serious problem with the Oscars. I think I declared it as being the worst Oscars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
in my known existence of the Oscars. What does Entertainment Weekly say about the subject? Um, they agree. Uh, I think I, uh, Ebert uh, was the one who got the ball rolling. Uh, he says that he's seen pretty much every Oscars there is because he's older than the Oscars. And uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> he's not older than the Oscars. He's not older than the Oscars. Getting around. Um, let me get by Just some unzip of Unzip this and unzip uh, this. Um, Actually, if you want to play another game that I did not steal from Entertainment Weekly, we can do that too. But let's see that you want to do that after How to Fix the Oscars really sure. fast. Okay, really fast. How to Fix the Oscars, number one, go back to the five best picture nominees. Couldn't agree more, Ryan. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and they have little reasons underneath all this, but I think that's pretty much unstated. I don't know anyone who would disagree because um, I think I that it makes it silly. It's like all these movies that don't particularly deserve to be there. And, you know, I. I used to have a good argument for this, but people were like, hey, but you know, it used to be 10 nominees, and I don't have that argument anymore, but I had a good one. Uh, but now I forget what it is. Yeah, um, right. Anyway, number two, move the show to January. Thoughts? Well, I don't really see, I don't see why not. I mean, it would be nice to have it closer to the beginning of the year so it felt more like you were reviewing movies that had just passed. I don't particularly have a problem with it in February either, though. Yes, I agree. Um, their reasoning is that once uh, in February, once all the critics and Guild Awards have, are all handed out, which happens, you know, late January, early February, that the race is too predictable at that point. Uh, the race for the Oscars, that is. Yeah, that's true. Of course, if the Oscars were earlier than those those things, uh, then everything else would be very predictable. I mean, if they already won an Oscar, you know, mm-hmm. so I might uh, hurt those awards. But yeah, I you know you're right about that actually. Uh, but who cares? I think the Oscars should be the awards of anything. Yeah, that's true. Um, number three, and I, I think once again I can tell what you're going to say, make sure the hosts are up to the task. Well, obviously. Not that's been the main point. problem, hasn't it? Exactly. Um, uh, they, they say, is it really so hard to figure out that Oscar hosts need experience and lots of it performing live? That's why Billy Crystal, Hugh Jackman, and Steve Martin do it well. I do not agree with that statement exactly, but um, I will agree Billy Crystal was definitely our generation's Bob Hope. I think Hugh Jackman did a good job. I think his material that he had to work with was terrible. Um, yeah, I, so was... I mean, his, he, he did a great job hosting the Tonys, that kind of thing. Like, that's more his, his crowd, I suppose. But um, I think we can only go so far blaming the host at some point. I think you kind of picked it by accident there that a lot of it's in the writing. Yeah, I agree. Up, up to par. Which is weird. Did you see that uh, Brian Poussain wrote some of the yeah, Oscars this year? Troy like... Miller directed some stuff. No way. Oh, that's crazy. Um, number four, no, not a big statement here. Make most of your hosts, um, obviously, I think. So by that, do you mean just use them, utilize them more? Uh, they say Anne Hathaway was a great voice but sang only one lame song. James Franco was fantastic in tape pieces, yet for the most part he placed he was uh, placed stiffly on stage where he had no chemistry at all with his co-host. That's true. Now, I can't decide if that was on purpose or oh. if he was just high. See, I No, it, actually, that is – well, hold on. We'll get to the second game in a moment. That okay. involves James Franco's high. <laughs> okay, we'll wait on that. We'll get to that. Uh, number five, which I do not agree at all, but you will agree with probably 50% of the statement. Uh, this is a weird one. I think they were just filling them up to 10, right? Number five, hire Tina Fey or Will Ferrell. Um, to host or to write or what? what? I don't know. That's, it just says I'm assuming the host is what they're saying. Yeah, I could think Tina Fey could host the Oscars. I, I can kind of see that happening, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Ferrell, I do not want the Oscars, though, I have to say. Yeah. Um, number six, I do not agree. Uh, watch the Grammys and learn. Watch the Grammys and learn? Yeah. Who watches the Grammys in the first place? Um, well, yeah, they, the, the award ceremony we can all agree is completely pointless. Watch that. 
Um, but, you know, their reasonings behind this make a little bit more sense than just that statement for number six. Uh, they say only ten Grammys were handed out during this year's televised ceremony. The rest of the show was spent entertaining the audiences with live performances. The Oscars need to cut the categories that bore the folks at home. This means you, documentary, short subject. Um, and note to the Oscar Board of Governors, we know that uh, that this is a political hot button, but please figure it out. No, see, I don't disagree. I don't agree with that. I, I kind of want the Oscars to be what they were back in the day, you know, when we talk about Bob Hope and Billy Crystal, um, and to have more of that stuff. But you and I complain that they've cut um, this year Eli Wallach, uh, last year Roger Corman, and that's yeah. sort of out of the show. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the Oscars ab- should be about – the Oscars should be for the people getting the awards, including uh, the people who aren't movie stars, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the people who get the, get the technical awards – the people who get uh, directors of short films and people who you don't necessarily know, uh, you know, the sound team at Pixar. Like, I think that it should be for everybody. And I think if you if you cut that kind of stuff or if you just do it off screen and then it's a, it's like a it's – a, if, it's, if it's just a show, then it better be a damn good one, which it hasn't been for years. So I don't know how they're going to manage it. It has not been for years. Let's get back to agreeing with them then, okay? Okay. Um, number seven, stop chasing your youth. Uh, viewership is almost entirely dependent on the movies and stars who are nominated. Just do a great show and deal with it. I agree with that, actually. Yep, I agree. Um, so that was, you know, the big deal this year that they wanted to appeal more to, to youth. Well, in fact, uh, after this show, their their ratings for like uh, 18 to 30-year-olds dropped uh, more than it was last year, <laughs> uh, which is funny. Number eight, Wake Us Up. Um, this is something you and I have talked about before because, uh, you know, we can remember when uh, the, the host had a monologue in the middle of the show, too. Do you remember this? No, um, not really. The middle of the show needs a marquee moment to keep viewers watching Try a Musical Number or a Timely Package. Um, their example is Woody Allen's tribute to New York after 9-11, uh, which was mostly shocking because Woody Allen had refused to appear at the Oscars for so long. Um, that's why that was kind of a big moment, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, number nine, don't let co-stars present. Um, I don't have a big problem with it, but their examples give me a problem with it. Uh, they talk about Russell Brand, Justin Timberlake, Milo Kunis. Um, it says, uh, whenever they turn up just a shill for a movie, it bases the evening. We know you're desperate for big stars, but what you uh, should do is... Ready for number ten? I will say I agree with that. If you're going to have a host, he should present the Oscars, for she. I agree. Um, so don't debase uh, desperate for big stars, but what you should do is, uh, boom, number ten, force the big stars to show up. Um, I don't know... What that About mean? forcing them so much. Let's see what they say. That means uh, you've tried flattery and begging. Now tell them if uh, they keep refusing to present awards and show up only when something's in it for them, they're going to get kicked out of the academy. Attendance isn't optional. We made these people famous so we could look for them. I think that's silly. Oh, I don't agree with that one. It's getting stretching the number. And our final game of the evening, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, this I, I kind of like this bit uh, because it, it's a bit of old and it's now done anew and I'm springing it on you. You ready? All right. Ryan, um, this was Oscars 2011 Burning Questions sent into Entertainment Weekly. Oh, man. Now, we are reformatting, reformatting this to be Oscars 2011 Burning Questions sent into Ryan the Georgie of the Critical End Podcast website. Right, right. right? Which it was. Right. Yeah, of course. Ryan, question number one. Was James Franco uh, altered during the show? He seemed a little dazed. Altered. Ryan says. Well. It's in italics, too, I should point out. Well, do we have names on these? Um, no, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, um, well, Kevin. Oh, Kevin. I'm sorry, Kevin. It's from Kevin. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, there are definitely, uh, there are definitely, there's some evidence that would indicate that he might have been not all there. Um, but I want to believe that he was actually just bored out of his skull and realizing how tedious hosting the Oscars actually is. Um, I have a feeling Franco seems I, I admire Franco in a way because he's he's a movie star and at least a little bit, 
and he seems to be doing projects that are weird but are what he wants to do. Add on to that fact that he's going and getting a PhD, and it just seems like the guy's like, all right, what do I want to do in life, and I'm just going to do it, which I admire. So when he was asked to host the Oscars, presumably because of this whole young, hip thing, yes. um, I feel like he just said yes because he's like, well, how do you turn that down? That'll be something I could have said I've done. And then he quickly realized um, that it was kind of a bullshit thing, and then they, were, they cut his song, so he felt bad about that, I assume. And then he was just like, all right, fine. I don't really care about the Oscars anymore. So I feel like he was just not giving a shit. And I'm going to say he actually, humor says it is, to uh, contemplate was not high. Ryan, thank you for your answer. And what do you think? Um, uh, I know what the answer is. I can't answer <laughs> can't these really two. can't really tell me. I can't spring this on me. What, what do you, who do you think I am, Logan? Sorry. Okay. Um, Joseph Silverman from Milwaukee. Riots Ryan, uh, and I'm totally making up the names at this point. Sure. Um, why was Kirk Douglas picked to present Best Supporting Actress? <laughs> that is a really good question. <laughs> yes, what, is. what a random category. And they're like, make sure to get a lecherous old man to do it, too. Yeah, that's what I'll <laughs> I think that's why. I think he volunteered is what it was. I want to put, who has know, boobs? Yeah, right. Didn't touch. Uh, I don't know, but he was the highlight of that show. I agree, and I'm glad he was there. So, no argument here. Um, was Melissa Leo the first person to use the F word at the Oscars, Ryan? I'm going to guess not. <laughs> you're, at, you're an expert. Where people are writing into you. Don't guess. Sorry. No. You think this is an Entertainment Weekly age game? No. It's a good question. The first one was Shirley Temple, surprisingly, uh, when she I, accepted oh, her junior no. Oscar in 1949. Uh, it, she said, fuck yeah, and then um, blew Mickey Rooney in the bathroom. And Orson Welles had his first heart attack at that very moment, I believe. It's true. First um, of many first of many uh excellent question here uh, actually this is i did not realize this until i read this question um but it's kind of uh, obviously funny when you think about it. uh why did colin firth's monologue from the king's king speech play over all the best picture nominees in the final montage yeah did the other segment no it was going to win huh? <laughs> yeah we talked about that at the time on the live blog i'm not sure if we actually said Right, we you and I posted about it. We were on Skype at the same time. We we mentioned it. It seemed related, yeah. Yeah, it seemed very much like somebody knew it was going to win. And if not, it was kind of arrogant to do that to play one to to highlight one movie out of all the rest. Um, it's unfair to the rest of the nominees, even if you did know that movie was going to win. So yeah, I think that was a little bit, little bit. Uh, in bad taste, especially when it didn't totally work at all for like Toy Story. I was just like, yeah, whatever. Right. Um, Ryan, I'm getting the old uh, finger across the throat from the bum outside, so I need to wrap this up now. Okay. Um, do you do you have time for two more? One more? What do you think? Oh, I guess two. Two more? Okay, cool. Um, let's see. Uh, who got President Obama to participate in the tribute to movie songs? Good point. Who got him? <laughs> You're the worst ever. <laughs> Asking, answering these questions. No, I, I hope didn't. You really do have a uh, article in some paper I can write into where you're like, you know, that's a really good question I never thought about. <laughs> that's my I'll, whole answer. Uh, yeah, yeah, moving on. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't know the answer. I just said it was a good point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Moving on to the answer at this point. <laughs> the answer is, I guarantee this answer is funnier than any answer you're going to give. <laughs> you're the real right. answer that is, yeah. You're right. Um, uh, I I I, uh, I think that's a, that's an excellent question, Logan. <laughs> you got... want to know the answer? This will blow your mind. Yeah, like, tell me. Cal Penn, the actor oh, best in the of course. White Cat, Tom Bay, yes. Um, a phone call was placed to him, and of course he's on Obama's staff now, so he worked it all around. Now is he still on the staff? He went back to acting, I thought. Uh, no, no, it's. Uh... I think he's off the staff now, but he's still a supporter. 
No, it said, uh, Penn facilitated the tape segment, which the present name is blah, blah, blah. Um, I think the White House figured since it was a Hollywood request, Cal would be a good person to help coordinate it. True. Um, anyway. Final question of the night, Ryan. Wrap this up. I'm waiting. With Ready? Okay. Breath. Ryan. Um, Elizabeth Schumacher uh, from Pensacola writes in. Any relation to Joel? No, no relation. Just Pensacola, Ryan. They don't allow Jews there. Uh, right, I forgot. Last week, uh, Franco tweeted. Uh, that's when you like if you have Twitter, Ryan. So you post things on there um, sometimes. What is you, Twitter? Um, do, no, this is in Jeopardy now. Oh. Um, last week, Franco tweeted a teaser clip of himself and Anne Hathaway doing a Grease homage. Why wasn't it in the show? Well, it's a good question. Uh, Franco, uh, of course, did uh, uh, rehearse a song. Uh, I assume that was part of it uh, for the Oscar ceremony. Uh, but it was cut. Now the reason is they had some um, preview audiences in. And it was a young, a hip Oscar, so they brought some, you know, teens and some teens in, some hip teens in to watch cast it. Cast of all that, yeah. All right, the cast of all, of, yeah, they're all thirty nine now, but that's all right. <laughs> no, that's no, yeah. They're just learning about the, all that right. at the Oscars, so they brought them in. And where's Amanda Bynes? They said, and um, and uh, the the uh, the number was so hot that uh, every single teen in the audience uh, was swooning over Franco immediately, and then died of an orgasm heart attack. Uh, so they decided not to uh, subject the world to such things by cutting it. And we thank them for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you, Ryan, for answering some of our burning Oscar questions. And you would you would think they'd sell cream for that, but no. Nope. It's, it's a ride in the Ryan when you have those burning questions about your sexuality. That's what we were talking about, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking about while I did okay. it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Critical.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, uh, next to James Franco, I assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook, oh, also yeah. next to James Franco, which is a bit weird a there. Weird because... um, and iTunes. That's right. Rate and review us. Next week, we will see you for Red Riding Hood, a tale of wolves and girls who dress all in red. I'm like excited. that Jean Potter film, The Woman in Red, but with wolves. Or The Man with One Red Shoe, but with wolves. And Tom Hanks. Right. Oh, Tom Hanks in it? Good. Did you ever find his shoe? I know it was based on a French film. I watched both just in case the shoe showed up in the other one, too. Speaking of based on a French film, can I say one more thing here? Oh, uh, go for- have you seen the preview for – oh, now I don't remember the name of that. It's a, it's a um, it better be a movie called Based on a French Film because I still want to see that movie. <laughs> the movie's itself. called Based on a French Film. Yeah, that would be great. Um, My horror would be called Based on a Japanese one, yeah. Did you ever see The Bicycle Thief? I forget. Yes, I did. Excellent film. Okay, I agree. Now, no, oh, I know what you're talking right? about. It's based on The Bicycle Thief. Yeah, the I guy with the truck? But they're like we're poor and Hispanic. Yes, yeah, exactly. I was, it, the, the premise is that they have a truck and like they need a truck to do their <laughs> yeah. job, and the truck gets stolen, and they have to go find the truck. I'm like, that's the bicycle thief. Yes, um, uh, I think a lot of movies have been that's the bicycle thief. Um, but I think this one is rather obvious because um, he's that whole like I'm down on my luck and poor, and this will keep my family alive if I can only keep this job. Doing everything for you, son. You know, if it ends just like the bicycle thief, that'll be really depressing. Um, Just, that was the one where it turned out to be sled, right? It turns out he was right. As he's dying, he says, "Bicycle." <laughs> and like, it was like, "Well, it's not, so is the bicycle it's not the killer?" Like, I mean, he was talking about the bicycle the whole movie. It's not weird. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> ben, uh, National Lampoon has this great bit where they are uh, in negotiations. This is from like 2007, so excuse its dateness. Uh, but they're although it's kind of come back around now. They're in uh, negotiations, negotiations to remake. Um, Citizen Kane with Vin Diesel <laughs> and now he's an extreme snowboarder and of course the snowboard is Rosebud of course. Um, but I, I'm all about that I love it I love it I love it
I'm marrying it right now. Which is older, Logan, Vin Diesel or the snowboard? Snowboard for sure. Ryan, the snowboard was around when um, the Ice Age hit, and some caveman was like, oh, and he slid down on a tree trunk. That was the first snowboard, Ryan. I don't know if that's a snowboard. It sounds more like a tree trunk to me. Ugg was a strange man with many different customs than us, and you should not judge him by it. It's because he's black. Is that it? Yes, that's it. Thought so. Music by Kevin McLeod.